something that I believe can elevate humanity and our communities and global health massively, being in healthy relationships with self and with others, romantically and platonically. What's up, babe? Welcome to Boldly Courageous, a podcast created for you, the ambitious woman who is ready to take action and step fully into the life you've always dreamed of. I'm your host, Melissa Martin, and each week I will be your virtual wingwoman as you gain the tools and confidence to face your fears head on. The time is now, and this is your permission slip to live your boldly courageous life. Are you ready, babe? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Boldly Courageous podcast. And today I have a very special guest. His name is Steph Sifandos. Steph and I met through a elite level mastermind, and he's actually married to one of my very first coaches, Christine Hassler, who has literally transformed so many aspects of my life. And it has been such a sheer pleasure getting to know Steph and his light and his work in the world. And in this conversation, Steph and I go deep on all things masculine, feminine energy. And he actually shares a reframe that feels a little bit more real. And, you know, I talk a lot about masculine, feminine, but he shares it in a way that's so much more anchoring and tangible. And I just love it. And I know that you will too. And we talk a lot about how to deal with triggers in life, in relationships, and healthy ways to channel anger because at this time in our world right now, there's so much happening that is confusing and can pull forward a lot of trauma responses, a lot of suppressed anger. And so we talk a lot about how to navigate through that. And we dive deep into breaking relationship patterns. This is something that I know so many of us experience where we jump from one relationship to the next and we can't seem to quite crack the code on what it means to be in healthy, conscious relationships. And so Steph shares about some of the things that you can do to really elevate yourself when it comes to relationships. And lastly, we talk about the mastery program that him and his beautiful wife, Christine Hassler, are co-creating together. This program was actually the first program that I invested in that really massively helped me to shift so many things in my life from old stories and wounds to trauma and really begin the deep inner work to self-love and finding safety within my body. So make sure you stick around to the end to hear about that. And more about Steph. Steph is a trained educator and relationship expert with a background in behavioral science. He is passionate about leading people closer to their highest potential and each other. Stefanos' philosophy merges the best of Eastern and Western methodologies to promote spiritual balance and empower people in life and love. From trauma release to navigating the murky waters of modern masculinity to helping women understand the men in their lives, he helps people escape negative patterns and cultivate a positive sense of self. Stefanos has worked with thousands of men and women from all walks of life, special force soldiers, Olympic gold medalists, elite fighters, and everyday people have relied on him to restructure and reframe their relationships with themselves and their loved ones. Let's dive into this amazing conversation with my friend, Stefanos. Steph, I'm so honored and grateful and excited about this conversation. When I launched this podcast, I knew that going... Uh, into a deep conversation with you is definitely on the list of of must do's uh, because your mission and everything you stand for, I think is really, really important in the world, not only for the work that you do with men, 
but also for the work that you do with women. And what I love and appreciate about you so much is your ability to hold space and really allow women to feel comfortable in your presence. That's been my experience with you. And so I'm just so grateful to share you with my audience. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, I feel humbled as well. I start every interview off the same way. And that is, what is one boldly courageous thing you've done recently? Recently, whew. well, I did. Uh, I did come face to face with a bear in Montana, um, <laughs> a few feet away. So that was uh, um, a few feet away from me, and had um, my queen Christine there with me as well. And um, we just, I just stepped back and spoke to the bear very, very softly and gently, and came forward. And I thought, oh, he's pretty close for a bear spray. Like, I don't know if the bear spray is going to do much. And so I was preparing for what do I do and had that, but I was just, I was pretty calm and he was very calm as and friendly as well. You know, he wasn't giving that aggressive um, essence out, but just stayed there with him. And then he just veered off the track and went away. And that was, I suppose, fairly boldly courageous. Talk about a metaphor for like relationships, right? And the challenges yeah. you may face and vibration, right? I'm sure that if you, went into a vibration of fear and uh, mm. panic that that bear could have picked up on that energetics as well. Most definitely. And I like what you said about, you know, talking about like a metaphor for life or relationships. You know, if we, we often get so, so defensive and reactive and triggered and amped up in relationships when we're presented with something that we perceive is dangerous either to our nervous system or to our conscious aware minds. And we, we then come from that place and we become defensive or we attack. And I mean, I've found in my own personal experience and obviously working with people, that just is a spiral of destruction for the relationship. And, you know, you can come back from that, you can mend that. But if we keep doing that and that becomes our norm, it becomes more and more difficult to come back from. And, you know, what are we actually going to if we're just continuing that behavior anyway? Mm. So at like the very basic human level, it's, it's reaction, right? Where something is coming into our energy field, a conversation, a statement, a word that triggers us. And that trigger causes a physical reaction in the body of that calls forward an emotion. And then that emotion calls forward an actual reaction, whether we say something, we do something. So I know I've experienced as we all have, like we're human, right? Mm -hmm. In relationships in particular. So what is it that you, like, how do you begin to shift that pattern? Because I would imagine if you're in a relationship and this is happening, it's a cycle because it, ha you know, you're triggered mm -hmm. constantly. How do you break out of that cycle and create a new pattern of behavior? Yeah. So, I mean, it begins with awareness and it's not easy. And there are multiple stages to awareness. You know, we generally begin with a this gross sense of awareness. It's like, oh, we, we see something doesn't feel quite in alignment for us. Let me explore that. And then we get into the details of that. And then there's sort of levels of awareness that we go through. And then there's levels of awareness where we understand something intellectually, but then we have to feel it as well. We have to process it emotionally, viscerally, somatically through the body. And then, of course, there's taking action out, outside of us. So how do we then be different in relationship? And, and ultimately, the answer to your question, the response is, well, we hold space. But how do we hold space? We hold space by doing area work. Holding space means not being triggered and being uh, activated or reactive when someone is coming to us with their pain. We don't make it about us. 
So in other words, we don't get caught in our own shame cycle. We don't get caught in our own past and our own trauma. So we've got to do that work around that. What does that look like? Working with a psychologist, a shaman, EMDR, trauma release therapy, um, psychosomatic work, um, you know, your own processes of solitude and reflection and processing and emo emotional release techniques and primal emo emotional release techniques. So there's so many tools that we use and it's an ongoing process. So many people think, and I've, you know, I've been guilty for this, is, oh, well, I've done my work around this. Yeah, but, but we've just done our work around an area of our life that unpacks an, either another area or a deeper layer of that, that condition or that issue. And so we have to, there has to be a level of surrender and acceptance, which isn't weakness or meekness or apathy or resignation. It's, it's acceptance of the past. It's surrender to what could be. And yes, we, we, we definitely need elements of resilience and toughness that help us get through difficulty and then help us recover from difficulty and challenges. And there has to be this, I've got to trust what I'm moving into now. I'm moving into the unknown. I'm moving into darkness. I've got to trust that. And that's the, that's the free fall of surrender and acceptance. Mm, but I, yeah. And I can imagine, I mean, I know for myself, like moving into the unknown can actually be more triggering than just sitting in your triggers. Cause at least you know what they are, right. They're predictable. Yeah. Um, I remember experiencing this in, in my past relationship where I got to a point of observation and being able to notice when I was being triggered and not react. And my partner felt like I was, um, robotic like I didn't feel anything because I wasn't reacting in that way and so I can imagine that in relationships if you are um, doing the work and the other person isn't it can be a little bit more challenging to have those types of conversations right because it's about the other person actually like you communicating with the other person in a way that that they can receive it right and that that's like learning a whole new language together with someone. You and your beautiful wife, Christine, have been on this uh, soul path together for a number of years, sharing your journey and um, co-creating a lot of transformation together. And I would imagine over the years, new layers are being revealed to you and new ways of being, new triggers. And I'm curious to know at this stage in the relationship, right? You guys have been together for a while. Like what's the next level What's the new thing that you're navigating through? Specifically or generally? What, what, whatever direction you want to go in. Specifically nothing at the moment. Generally, it's just a continuation and a, a, an expansion of our own individual stuff. Core wounds, history, trauma, you know, inspiration, all the good stuff too, like all of it just coming together and then navigating that. And so it's just an extension, a continuation of that. Mm -hmm. um, are we moving through anything challenging right now? As a couple um, within our own dynamics? No, not really. I mean, together we're really, I don't know what the word is. I think it's a combination of aware, cognizant, concerned about what's happening in the world. Um, and also um, looking at the opportunity and not necessarily the opportunity um, from a selfish vantage point, although we're all selfish to some degree, it's how healthily selfish can we be, but what is our, what is our next level of service look like? Because I think the world's really changing uh, at a deep, deep level. Um, and I don't think we're going to go back to what we were familiar with. And so or what we're accustomed to. So how do we serve? What does it look like for us as a couple and as individuals um, and that, there, there's some big questions that we're asking. And 
you know, we're probably moving through some big emotions there and processing that, like whether it's sadness, whether it's grief, whether it's anger, frustration, um, you know, projection, whether it's bringing up old stuff of not being in control um, with respect to what's happening in the world today um, and just observing the incongruency in what's happening and the confusion in the world. It's not about taking sides or what's right or what's wrong. Although at some point, you know, we'll probably get to get to there and say, well, this is what I stand for and this is what I'm standing in. Um, however, the conversation more now is that there's just so much confusion, fear out there um, and misleading information from so many different angles that it, it can be it can be challenging. Right? And so, you know, we're facing those challenges and, and how do we step up and step into greater versions of ourselves, which, you know, it, it sort of forces you to start breaking old molds. You know, so it forces, well, this is how I was. So I would normally react to this and literally will be reaction for me personally. I would normally react to what's happening in the world with anger and, and, and agitation and, and rage. And I've gone through those processes, but I'd really hang on to it and I'd just be in that position and that's it. Whereas now I'm more like, okay, let me, let me still be my power. Let me channel that anger or that aggression in a more healthier way. Let me channel it in a way that isn't projecting on others and is still actually responsive, responsive to what's happening in the world as opposed to being out of my own control. Mm. So, you know, I get to do that, that work around that. When, when I feel or I'm perceiving that the world is a little out of control, how can I get in control within me? Not worry mm. about what's happening in the world because I can't control that. And don't let that trigger. And if it does, if it does trigger old, because, you know, my childhood was very volatile and violent. And so I'm experiencing that in the world, this sense of not being in control, it's triggering old stuff. And so how do I then respond to that? So I'm spending more time in that space as opposed to trying to control others, you know? Mm. This is beautiful because as opposed to where, where a lot of people experience a majority of their triggers in relationship, what you're sharing or how I'm receiving it is that it's triggers through how you're um, experiencing the world, right? And how to channel that energy in a healthy way as it's mirroring for you maybe an uh, environment that felt very similar as a child, like volatile, unsteady, uncertain. And I feel that too, you know, I'm every day, I'm like, there's just stuff, the collective as a whole feels very, what's the word? I'm stimulated. Like there's a lot of energy moving around right now. And for somebody that maybe doesn't have as high of an emotional IQ, it can, I can imagine it can bring up, bring up a lot. So I want to talk about masculine feminine because that's also what I'm hearing is like healthy masculine of like, how do I channel this in a way that feels, you know, safe. And uh, I want to talk about the channeling as well. So if, if somebody is feeling that way, if they're feeling rage and anger coming up, what are some ways that they can alchemize it or channel it in a way that's, we'll say healthy versus unhealthy because anger and rage are natural but I, I know a lot of us suppress it. So what's a way that we can actually like alchemize it in a healthy way? Yeah. yeah. So there are many ways that we can do that. And awareness, again, is the, is the first step around that and wanting to choose to be a different way. We have to have a yearning and a desire to be different and say, you know what, this rage, this anger doesn't serve me. We want to avoid projecting and blaming and taking it out on others. You know, for example, you get home from work and you just, you were just angry that the, the your employee, your fellow employees or colleagues haven't treated you well, your, your boss is on your back. I'm just giving you a very rudimentary example. When you come home and instead of channeling that anger in a healthy way, and I'll give you an exa some examples in a moment, 
you know, you're, you're snappy or you're short with your partner or you're agitated with your partner or you, 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 you're just, you're very distant from them or whatever it is that you're stonewalling them, whatever it is that you're doing, right? Things that very much disrupt, ways of being that very much disrupt relationship. Um, that's the first thing. We have to move away from taking it out on other people. We have to be responsible and take ownership for our own feelings. So healthy ways to, to channel anger, physiological state changes, so exercise. Um, with an intent, you know, like going to a rage room. Uh, see, you know, if you're really angry and, and you've got rage, you know, get sit kneel on your bed and hammer punch the, the the mattress until you're absolutely fucking exhausted. Scream into a pillow, or just scream. You know, write write out what you're angry about. Release writing, so just it wouldn't even make sense on paper. And you're even writing the paper really hard, and it's going into the next page, and then rip it up and burn and go through these processes. Um, go do a boxing class with the intent to just let that anger out, you know, whatever it may be. But physiological state changes are really, really important. It could mean going for a long walk, getting in nature, getting get your feet in, in, in the earth, do some journaling, some reflective um, praxis, you know, have a support group that you go to that you can actually share your pain with that isn't directed to your partner, to your intimate romantic partner or your immediate family because that closeness resembles generally um, our, our, our upbringing and our parental dynamic, parental childhood dynamics, and there can be a lot of unresolved stuff there. Because there's an unconscious resemblance, we tend to just take it out on our partners, and that's not healthy because, again, that creates rifts in our relationship. So you know, there are some of the ways that you, can, that you can really work through. And, you know, healing the past, it's really important to heal our past, and that's an ongoing process. Um, some of the tools that I mentioned today, just then, yes, they're very, very helpful and they're an ongoing, it's an ongoing process, it's not a one and done thing. We, we live in this society that's quick fix. We live in this society that, oh, you've got a headache, take a pill. You know, you, you're overactive, take a pill. Um, you're angry, take a pill. You know, you're, you're, you're sad, watch TV. You know, you know, whatever it may be. And we have to begin to move away from that because that's actually really dangerous to the development of our human race as a whole. And it, it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier about like the unknown being so scary, right? And because if this is our pattern that we get comfortable in it and the doing the work and healing the family stuff is an uncharted territory. So it's almost like what's under the bed. I'm afraid, you know, the monsters that I'm going to find or what am I going to learn and will I come back from it? And we just don't, like the fear of the unknown, I think for a lot of people is worse than like the potential unintended consequences of just take the pill. Like to, to just take the pill just sounds so easy, right? But really it's actually harder. It's, it's way harder. Well, so, it's 100%. You never solve anything that way, right? There is no quick fix when it comes to healing family family stuff. That is a lifelong lifelong uh, commitment to coming back to your truth. So let's talk about masculine feminine for a second, because I know this is something that you're very well versed on. And a lot of our listeners, um, a lot of the women here are kind of tapping into this type of energy and like really looking how to one, heal their own uh, wounds with masculine feminine, but also alchemize it and use it in a way for good in their businesses and their life. So can you share a little bit about the wounded side of things, the, how the wounded feminine and the wounded masculine show up, and then what a healthy 
feminine and a healthy masculine might look like? Yeah, sure. So I've been, it's interesting that you're bringing this subject up. So I have been really contemplating this at a deeper level for some time now. And um, it's, it's really interesting. So, and I've had this feeling for a very, very, very long time with respect to masculine and feminine work. Yes, masculinity and femininity exists. And for me, what I'm, what I'm really seeing more and more, it's, it's a way to understand the duality of our existence. It's a way to compartmentalize and help us see, see who we are as, as, as people. And at some level, masculinity and femininity is a cultural construct, and it doesn't really exist. Um, and at another level, masculine, feminine dynamics or energetics do exist. And there's a polarity there, and there's a sexual attraction dynamics that it feeds into. And so it's a really, really interesting concept, but I'll, I'll go into wounded and healthy. So wounded and healthy feminine or wounded and healthy masculine, they're ex essentially extreme states. So that when we're in a wounded state, we're in a, an extreme way of being. So for example, competitiveness is generally associated with masculinity. It's a masculine energetic. doesn't mean that it doesn't exist within women. So masculine and feminine energies reside within all of us. And there is confusion there because we think that masculinity is male orientated or exclusive to males only as a gender construct and femininity is exclusive to females only. And that's not the case. But let's look at competition. Right? Generally consider this masculine energetic. Healthy competition, or let me go into unhealthy competition actually. So unhealthy competition is like a win at any cost mentality. It sacrifices one's own morals and values to hurt others. There's this um, hyper selfishness there. This, again, that's linked to win at any cost mentality, breeds jealousy, which is an undesirable state and energetic and frequency to be in. All our other values will fall by the wayside. Um, there's a, there's, it's generally devoid of empathy and compassion. That means it's separatist. It's more isolating, right? And it, it, you know, it mani there's manipulation and lies that come with unhealthy competition. Um, we never feel full in unhealthy competition. It's not only are we competing against ourselves, we're competing against others and enough is never enough. And we're just consumed with codependency, which is essentially we're, we're, we're seeking external validation and approval from others. Um, we, we're, we're consumed with titles and status and appearance and superficiality to a fault where everything else just falls by the wayside. Everything that's important to us falls by the wayside. So, some would say, well, that's, that's unhealthy or wounded masculine uh, trait. Sure. Do women experience that as well? Yes, in different ways. Maybe they experience it in their peer groups. Maybe they experience it in the corporate world as well. Generally, that unhealthy competition is going to be experienced in, in sports, in the corporate world, and anything that's high stakes. Most of the time, mo most men are involved in high stakes activity. That's part biology and hormones. That's part culture. It's a very complex conversation that we don't, you know, we, I, I don't, and I don't claim to know it all. And I, and I don't claim, I do my best to simplify it, but to not deduce it. Simplify it to use language that we can try and understand, but not to deduce it to something very simple because it's not. You know, masculine and feminine energetics is, is the essence of what makes up our existence. And so what does a healthy masculinity look like? That, that's... 
that's also a very subjective thing, right? I'll give you an example. Imagine, and I'll use an extreme example because it, the extremes can help. Imagine you have a, um, a suicide bomb and they go, and, and this is more, more about, it's masculinity and men, right? But let's say they go and they do what they do and they, they cause damage to a, an area, they kill many people. The area that is being caused harm to and the people associated with that area, the culture group of that area, look at this man and say that he's weak. They look at this person, they say that um, he's, he's an extremist, he's a bad man, he's immoral, he's dangerous. All of these negative traits associated with his actions. People from his in-group, from people that support his cause, look at him and say he's a hero. He's an amazing human being. What a gift. He's done such great things in this world. Surely going to heaven or whatever, whatever it is that you know, he's he's going to a healthy, good afterlife. And so this 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 concept of healthy, unhealthy, wounded, healthy, it, it can be very subjective. And so when I speak to this, I, I want to make it really, really clear that what you resonate with is is really, really important here. And so what you know, when we look at characteristics of being a healthy man, okay, or being a um you know, we're talking about shadow masculine traits, inward and outward. We're looking at um, hiding from the world. So I'm just going to stay with the masculine for a moment. So this is, these are inwardly directed traits and outwardly directed traits. And by the way, this is going to be really helpful. Instead of using the term masculine feminine, we can use the term do energy and go energy, active energy and passive energy. Sorry, do and be. Um, go energy and flow energy. So we can use different explanations for the energetic itself, which are just complementary opposites, two wings of the same bird. That's essentially what masculine and feminine energy is. It's a way to be in the world. And when we balance that within ourselves, we tend to have a more fulfilled life. And, you know, the meaning of life, if, I mean, there's many meanings of life, but part of that is to have meaning and fulfillment in our lives, right? And balance, that middle path. All the major religions and spiritualities talk about this, that middle path, not moving in extremes, right? So, but let me, I want to honor the question about shadow and, and, um, and healthy, right? Um, so shadow masculine, inward and outward, hides from the world, um, weak in conviction, um, lacks belief in self, um, relies on others for direction, so um, uh, doesn't trust self basically, fears being wrong, um, controlling, subjugating, judgmental, forceful, self-loathing, oppressive, um, they're more sort of externally or outwardly directed shadow masculine traits. Shadow feminine, you know, if the opposite can sort of be made for healthier traits, right? Like if you're talking about hiding from the world, you're talking about being in the world with full openness and transparency. Weak in conviction is certainty, right? Now, but you know, certainty and 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 being in the world fully. I mean, these are these are human traits. It's just one side of the coin, one wing of the of the bird, right? So I want to. Yes, I, I quote unquote claim to this masculine feminine expert, and I don't even like, really like that term, but I think part of that expertise is actually understanding that there's some fallacy embedded within these terms, and that it's actually more confusing than anything else. But let me go back to the wounded feminine. Wounded feminine lives in secrets. Well, I'm sure you know men that live in secrets as well. That means that they're running that feminine energetic, right? Um, contort self to fit in. We know that this is just unhealthy behavior. We can just even label it that. That's unhealthy. So these are unhealthy social dynamics. These are unhealthy psycho-emotional dynamics. Places others on pedestals, is insecure, has carries body dysmorphia, 
carries this anxiousness around self, uh, is passive aggressive, manipulative, um, unhealthy sexual expression, which is also in the masculine as well, in the form of um, sexual expression through control, um, forcefulness, and oppression, uh, irritability, um, people pleasing. And so these are unhealthy traits of, of the human being. And we, we, we use masculine feminine terminology to compartmentalize the complex understanding of psycho-emotional, psychosocial dynamics of behavior. So I'm doing my best to not be too academic and doing my best to, to really simplify it, but essentially it's unhealthy and healthy ways of being. Healthy ways of being are more transparent. Healthy ways of being are more connected to our bodies and our sexuality, more confidence in ourselves. We make self-honoring decisions. We're able to say no as a complete sentence. In other words, we have healthy, we set, we're able to set healthy boundaries. Healthy uh, masculine traits are deep levels of self-awareness. Healthy feminine tra uh, traits are trusting oneself moving through the world. They're also, also just healthy human traits. You did such a beautiful job of explaining a very, very complex subject. And I love how you reframed it into go versus flow because I've heard Christine share this. and That's Michaela Bowen, by the way. I won't take credit for that. That's Michaela Bowen. With that so, go, the go yeah, versus flow. flow. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's Michaela Bowen that I, I read that from and heard that from. And she did a lot of work under David Data. Yeah, and it's it's awesome. It's important to um, you know credit the the source, right? Because we're all uh, connected to the same source, but we don't receive information the same way. And I've heard Christine share masculine feminine in this way of the feminine is the place I create from, and the masculine is the place I execute from. So I like the like the mm -hmm. go versus flow and yeah, active passive, right? Yeah. And that's such a beautiful way of, I've never heard it like expressed that way. And it makes so much sense. And yes, like when, when we talk about masculine, feminine, it's not male, female, right? It's an energetic. So I think rephrasing it that way and reframing it out of the context of masculine, we naturally think male and feminine, we think female. Mm. but go versus flow or active versus passive anchors it in on a more neutral level and a more accurate level as well. And I think that, um, you know, I was reflecting on this actually earlier today, just this idea of light versus dark and the shadow that we all possess, right? And any one of the two, any overabundance of one is being out of imbalance right and so that that reference that you use of one side of the wing versus the other is a beautiful representation of we all have light and dark within us right even love has a dark side mm. right i i had this experience recently where i was doing a cord cutting ceremony with a lot mm. of relationships like sort of like energetically reclaiming my virginity of like cutting mm. cords with partners that i had been with before and really connecting uh, to become in love with myself, not in love with somebody else from a um, wounded feminine perspective, but more in love from a healthy feminine. And what started coming up for me as I was writing these letters and reflecting back on all these relationships was that, okay, this person acted in, let's call it a wounded masculine way of manipulation or just um, all the things, right? And then seeing where I had acted that way and that this person, acted in um, alignment and came from purity and then I came from woundedness or vice versa, right? So at the core of what both of us wanted was love, mm. 
but the driving factor behind it can either show up as in a healthy way or can show up in a wounded way. And so even in the context of love, which we think is this pure thing, actually can show up in a light and a dark, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's, again, unhealthy ways of being, which are generally extreme and unsustainable, mm-hmm. and healthier ways of relating, which are more, are more inclusive, which again, would be considered a feminine energetic, and exclusivity is more of a masculine energetic, if we want to talk masculine feminine dynamics. Um, but there are times where we need to be exclusive, where we need to be more self-orientated. There are times where we need to be more inclusive. We need to be more group-orientated, right? And when we're looking at ideals to be in relationship, we are relational beings and we thrive in mature, healthy relationships, in sacred union, in conscious relationships, which is something that I believe can elevate humanity and our communities and global health massively, being in healthy relationships with self and with others, romantically and platonically, deep, intimate, platonic relationships. And so when we look at what, you know, what make relationships good, there's a shit ton of research, research out there that tells us that. Um, and, and it is about doing that deeper inner work. And it is about finding balance within ourselves and balance within your dynamic. And it is about respect and reverence and compassion and empathy and, and being clear and transparent and honoring of self and other and being uh, trustworthy and being uh, emotionally and sexually open. And sexuality isn't just having sex. Sexuality is far more than that. It's part of our personality. It's part of our, our visions and, and what we seed into the world as well. It's, it's our essence, our, our belief systems, our values. It's how we are. It's our future. It's our present. It's our past. So sexuality is a very again, com- not complicated, complex, layered um, way of interacting with self and the world. Um, and so when we look at that, I, I really believe that clearing our past, becoming acquainted with our shadows, coming from a place of deeper observation and witnessing, mutual witnessing of self um, and our environment, as opposed to judging something oh that's good that's bad that's right that's wrong you know i have a thought so i shouldn't have that thought about masturbation or cheating on my partner that's bad i'm going to stop that well why don't we just pull back a moment and say okay let me just observe this let me just witness this like a like laying down in the grass just watching the clouds you're not thinking that oh that cloud's ugly or that cloud's attractive or not even that cloud looks like something it's like just watching just observing just observing it, coming from that place that because that we are the observers that's the true self in in advaita vedanta that's called the tidium it's the true self is the ultimate self is the observer that is the un, the untouchable aspect of self that is the undying unchanging aspect of self i don't want to get too deeply philosophical or spiritual in this sense but it's i, I think it's important to judge less and be open more i think that's that's one of the, the next phases of conscious relationships I love that you shared that. And the just the ability to, like, there's power in the pause and going back to what you were sharing earlier about, you know, when it comes to rage and anger of just having that awareness mm-hmm. and combining that with a pause. Because I think, you know, we're just so in our devices and we're so in our social medias and our lives that thoughts just, we don't even know we have them. And so having that awareness and actually pausing for a second and being, and recognizing it like, wow, I just, I just had this thought and where did it come from? So I love that you shared that. And you talked about, you know, healing, healing the past. And I'd love to 
go down the, the conversation around new relationships, right? So this pattern evolves for so many people. If they get in a relationship, it doesn't work out. They just know that their needs aren't being met. They don't really understand why the relationship doesn't work. Maybe it's the other person's fault. And then they get back into another relationship with the same person and kind of go around and around on this merry-go-round, right? This is the average. I'm, gen- I'm speaking very generally. So when it comes to doing the work, like I'm using that in air quotes, um, and calling in a more conscious relationship, where does that even start? Like, how do you start doing the work? Well, the first step for me is singledom. So if you've just come out of a relationship, don't fucking rush back into it. <laughs> Number one. Look, again, love is complex and love is complicated at the same time, actually. Relationships can be complicated as well. Um, they can throw us in a tailspin. And sometimes, you know, we break up with someone and we've been. Here's the thing if you're observing a pattern of being a, a serial partner or being in serial relationships back to back to back, it's probably an indication. It's t- patterns just tell us, they inform us about who we are. It's probably telling you something about you, how your maybe your codependent nature, maybe your self-worth, maybe your attraction or addiction or attachment to needing someone in your life, maybe your addiction to the limerence phase of relating, which is the honeymoon period, uh, your addiction to the hormone, hormonal flush that comes with meeting someone for the first time. Just observe the patterns in your life. But it's important to take some time and space, irrespective of how that relationship ends, whether it's a conscious uncoupling, whether it's a really healthy, mature, uh, open way of seeing selves, having some time to self to integrate. It's just like going on a plant medicine journey. What's the advice? Go on a plant medicine journey, give yourself 24, 48 hours to integrate. Don't go back to work the next day if you can avoid that. Be kind to yourself, be gentle, move slow, do all the things, get away from people, Don't, don't be too much into people. You know, I went for a... I was on a 10-day, 11-day vision quest, five-day vision quest, essentially, but away from the world for 11 days. You know, we were told to ease in very because you've just been in a particular environment. You're going to another one. There's extremes there. You're in relationship. You're out of relationship. There's extremes there. Honor the transition time. Integrate your learning, your teaching, your growth, so you don't take the same, you don't bring the same, quote-unquote, mistakes or unhealthy patterns into the next relationship. It requires, yes, we grow in relationship and yes, we grow in singledom. And so my immediate advice to people after breaking up is take some time for you. How much? I don't know. And you don't know either, but you will know as you deliberately embark on that journey. And be active. Don't just say, oh, well, I've been single for two years, but you've been drinking every weekend and avoiding your pain and your problems and the despair from the past relationship or the past seven relationships. Uh, you, you know, Or you know, you're, you're snorting cocaine or you're injecting heroin riding the dragon like don't that's avoidance right so you know i'm i'm aussie in parts i'm pretty pretty raw sometimes i don't remember who 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 the audience is too but i'm sure your audience is going to get the slang i know they're more american but (laughs) so i i think that's important too and you know doing that doing that work means looking at self and saying and also getting to know yourself because you've, you've been in a relationship for two years seven years ten years a big part of your identity has been being in relationship. What does it look like and feel like being single? What, what are your values? What are your non-negotiables? What's important to you having a life reset? You're a different person potentially from who you were 10 years ago, or maybe you've always been the same, but you've been covering it or masking it in a relationship. Who do you really want to be? You take the time to answer some big questions and just be with yourself and be comfortable in your own skin so that 
when you do attract the new partnership, you're not coming from desperation and codependency, needing someone else to validate you or approve you or tell you how amazing you are because you can tell that to yourself. And the only way you'll do that is two ways. One, being with yourself. And two, doing that quote-unquote work in unpacking and excavating who you truly are and who you want to be in the world. Does that answer your question? Oh, it's so beautiful. Yes, totally. And I'm experiencing this. So I'm like shaking my head going, yep, yep, I experienced that. It's, um, you know, we've talked about this. I transitioned out of my marriage in the end of 2019. And, you know, intentionally and unintentionally, I've remained single and not even really in the energetics of being open. I'm curious, but not like outwardly acting on the idea of dating part because of COVID, right? But also part, it was just my, my own intention to do my work and noticing, like you were saying, just patterns, uh, not wanting to repeat a pattern any longer mm. and recognizing that, yeah, I would go six months and be right back in another relationship. And even in between that time frame, still entangled with someone else, even if it wasn't an actual like mm -hmm. quote unquote relationship, it's still a relationship. So always in the energy of fill in the blank. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this power in the pause, you know, it's like, um, we could just liken it to plant medicine, right? There's phases that you go through. There's, you know, this beginning part and you're, this is new. And then you get into the work and you're like, oh, this is what's here. I had no idea this was here because I've never gone to this experience before. I've never actually stayed single this long or been in my stuff this long to even see what was under here and really do the work and observe. And what's interesting, this has been my experience, is that different men will present themselves in my energy. Like I'll see someone new on social media and I'll start following them. And I, you know, we, I think social media gives us an opportunity to create a story about someone. We get to see the highlight reel and just even noticing my own thoughts around worthiness. Like it, you know, an old story for me was if I don't make more money than this person, then what is, what do I, what value do I bring? And that's an old codependency cycle of like needing to be needed, right? As opposed to being wanted versus being needed, right? So I love that you shared that and I relate with that so much. And I think that loneliness like is the thing that keeps people stuck in that pattern of not wanting to be alone. Well, and also recognizing loneliness and being alone are two totally different things, right? You can be yes. lonely and not be alone. Um, so, uh, so step one, like you said, is, is, um, you know, power and the pause and stay single for a little longer, but what are some other tools or resources that, you know, people could use if they're in this space of really wanting to do the work on themselves and, and maybe heal some old relationships? I look, I think it's important to have fun. Create space, create lightness in your in your world. Do new things, engage in novelty. Do things that scare you. Take yourself outside of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. um, alongside maybe doing some very active work with a therapist or a shaman, a counselor, an energy worker, a group, uh, you know, whether it's an intense event, whether, uh, I mean, we just we just finished this week in past in a child level one, two and a half day virtual workshop, really beautiful workshop. So you do these things that you're interested in that not only educating you, but helping you shift things from your body, giving you new awareness. I've been very active in my growth. That's That's what I've always... Here's the thing, I've always done that in between relationships. I just haven't always done it effectively. And it's only been the last few years that I really learned to do it effectively. 
because I started being in integrity and I started living out of outside of my shadows as opposed as opposed to in them. So do that shadow work, whatever that looks like for you. There's different ways to do that. You can do that in a child work, whether it's internal family systems, whether it's gestalt therapy, whether it's archetypical work, um, whatever it may be, do your shadow work. Um, and it's not just all theory based. It's really in the body based. It's moving stuff. Um, you know, breath work, um, trauma release therapy, actively engaging that. Most people have experienced pretty tough upbringing, most people, in some way, shape or form. And it's not about comparing trauma. It's not about, oh, well, if I haven't been raped for 12 years straight or been locked in a dungeon for 20 years, then I haven't experienced trauma. Trauma is not always that overt and open and clear. Trauma can be very, very painful um, in, in the sense that you just haven't, you haven't had a father or a mother that's been around and you've had an absent parent. Or you had a parent that has never reinforced you positively. That has always said, you know, your B, your A's and B's are average. What's wrong with you? You know, there's something wrong with you. Why aren't you doing better? That's trauma to some extent. And I'm not trying to create a, a society of, of weakness here. And, you know, I want people to be in their power. And, and so just but being in your power is saying, okay, I had a hard upbringing. Cool. I'm not going to let it define me. I'm not going to keep running the same fucking stories in my head. And you know what? Yeah, I've had a hard upbringing and I'm going to make new choices about that. And it's going to be really tough moving forward through it. And I'm still going to do it. And I'm going to seek support and I'm going to do some of it on my own and I'm going to own it. And that's okay. That's not, that's not perpetuating that story of I'm a victim. So yes, you may have been victimized or you've, you've been um, hard done by, but you don't have to let that define you continuously. So being aware of that and then doing those that deep work is really, really uh, important. Mm. There's a big difference between being and doing or like knowing and doing. That's what I meant to say. The yeah. difference between knowing and doing and like to your point of like doing the work in between but not really doing the work, like kind of doing the work but then really doing it. I feel like, you know, people read the books, they listen to podcasts, they'll even go to retreats. Mm. And then when they leave there, they don't take the practices they've learned and actually integrate it. So like the knowing is, yeah. is great to have the awareness, but it's the actual doing and being of that thing that yeah. that's where you create the, the real change. Yeah, absolutely. So the knowing is more intellectual and cognitive mm -hmm. and the doing is moving it through your body and really being with your fears mm -hmm. and, and, and surrendering to full surrender. That's what the, that's what the doing is. It's, it's the surrender of I'm leaning all in and I'm going into the unknown and I'm really going in. And you're going to feel big feelings. You're going to know it because you're mm -hmm. processing and moving big, big feelings. I had this experience. So in 2016, I was uh, faced with a choice. And I think most of us get to these like defining moments where we have a choice. I can either continue on the path I've been, which has gotten me everything that I don't want <laughs> and some of the things that I do want, but I've, it's kept me like in pain or I can go down this path and choose something different and like be willing to step into the unknown and heal the wounds. And the first place that I actually, I don't want to say it was the first place because I had been doing work all along, but the, the difference between the knowing and the doing for me was investing in a coach. And I actually worked with your beautiful wife, Christine, in one of her programs called Mastery. And in that container, I experienced massive shifts. Like you were saying, I mean, there were days where I was physically exhausted from processing all the trauma, but doing it in a container where I felt safe. Like I had someone guiding me. I had actually verbalized it to my partner that, Hey, this is what's happening for me. And this is what I'm going through. And, you know, I look back on that experience and I think, wow, like it's, it takes a lot of courage 
to be able to acknowledge the fact that you want to make a change and also know that everything in your life might fall to shit in the process. <laughs> like the outer world, you have to just trust that whatever happens is going to be okay as you heal your inner world. And Christine did such an amazing job of um, cultivating such a safe space for that um, transformation. And I know that now the two of you are partnering on this incredible mastery program together that I, for me was such a great place to start. So for people out there that maybe are on the journey or they're looking for real transformation, could you share a little bit more about what mastery is, who it's for, what they can expect, those type of things? Yeah, it's, it's really for anyone. And thank you for your kindness and sharing as well. It's really for anyone that is willing to do that deeper work to explore their shadows, um, to actually have access to tangible tools that they can use on an ongoing basis to self-regulate uh, themselves, to not be in that panicked, anxious state constantly, to not have that low self-worth and feel that they're not enough. Um, this particular, I mean, mastery, that's what mastery is, but mid-October, we're launching a, a, a six-week live um, teaching around mastery. So you get access to the full course plus all the bonus modules Plus, Christine will take you every week live through um, processes and answering questions and so forth. And I'm going to also take people through live, all virtual, live somatic work, um, breath work, um, trauma release stuff, uh, in the body, in the body work, which is going to be really, really powerful for the nervous system as well. So, again, that's that's the essence of what mastery is. But it's essentially everything that we've just been speaking to. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you know, you and and Christine both share this work in a way that's uh, easily receivable. You know, there's a lot of um, practitioners out there that are amazing at their craft, and yet the distance between the teacher and the student sometimes feels a little far apart, if that makes sense. And what I really love about the work that you do and the way that you show up, and Christine as well, is that it's receivable. It's easily receivable. And at least that's been my experience. So I appreciate you for that. And for those that are interested in learning more about this, where's the best place that I can direct them? Uh, yeah, um, christinehassler.com slash mastery. Perfect, yeah. amazing. Steph, thank you so much for, you know, sharing your gifts with us and your time and your light in this world. It's like I said in the very beginning, like I just love your presence and how you show up authentically and your willingness to do the work and be vulnerable, I think is needed by, especially for women to witness what it looks like for a man to be on his path is what I'm trying to say. It's a beautiful example. And um, it gives me hope that there are more men like you out there. And I'm grateful for you. So guys, if you love this episode, please share it with your friends. And Steph, um, last question. Yeah. You can go on as long as you'd like. What are you celebrating right now? Oh, well, I really like this shirt that I got on because it feels really comfortable. <laughs> it's um, a nice shirt. Yeah, it's, really, nice it's Hugo Boss, actually. It's really nice. And it feels really kind of stretchy and just so nice. Um, and I can feel it on my body, so I'm going to celebrate that. Um, I'm going to celebrate my, my big one-gallon water <laughs> jug. Oh my gosh. I wish you guys could see the, that is a very nice water jug. It's like very masculine and it's like a, it looks like a Yeti the size of your head. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what am I celebrating right now? Seriously though, that's indicative of where I generally am at, where I'm just super grateful for the little things. I mean, I've been 
trying to order an airdyne an air bike a rogue echo air bike for my home gym and by by chance on monday i happened to go into their website and happened to be available because you know with everything going on there's no fitness equipment that i like that's available <laughs> managed to get that and a big heavy kettlebell 150 pound kettlebell and i'm like yes like the little things very very grateful you know just really really grateful for the small things and just celebrating what we're what we're all co-creating and what I mean by all is not only my immediate peer group, but also people doing just really amazing, amazing things out in the world and seeing the deficits and seeing where life could be a little different and people could do differently, you know, whether it be social systems or geopolitical systems or the way we deal with um, child trafficking as, a, as, a, as an issue that's really arising to the surface of awareness now and just seeing amazing people doing amazing things. That's very inspiring. So just celebrating people's inspiration and, and the willingness that people have, because I hold willingness as a very strong virtue within myself as something that I value. And when I see it in other people, I acknowledge that and it gets me excited. Mm. It's amazing. I love that. Yeah, I think COVID and this time that we're living in has given people the opportunity to reimagine life. Mm. Mm. And I love that you shared that piece about willingness. I think that's so beautiful. So mm. thank you. Thank you mm. so much for being you. And uh, yeah. I'm grateful. Until the next time, guys, live your boldly courageous life. Bye. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life.